Hey everyone, I'm Jackie Lewis, Senior Minister here at Middle Collegiate Church. My pronouns are she, her, hers. This is the day that God has made, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. I'm so glad you're with us in worship today, either in the sanctuary um, of Easton Temple or any place where you are um, doing the digital thing. We're so glad that you're with us. It is you who makes us who we are. Today is the first Sunday in Black History Month. We have a beautiful worship celebration planned for you today. Uh, my friend of the Reverend Michael Livingston, uh, Senior Minister uh, Emeritus at the Riverside Church in New York City. Yes, he was an intern, but yes, he was a senior minister, is here today to preach for us. We have beautiful ensemble music playing and a special guest singing the Lord's Prayer. Beautiful things are happening all month long. Uh, we celebrate Black beauty, black joy, black power, black lives every day at Middle Church. But this month we also have special programming, so I hope that you will come. Uh, for example, on Valentine's evening, we have a beautiful cabaret called For Our Love. The details are here. We're at the Lori Beekman Theater. I hope you'll come and hang out with us. On February 12th, Sunday, I will be preaching and we'll be having a sermon conversation uh, called everyday uh, racial justice. So I hope you'll come be with me and Reverend Natalie for that. And I hope that you will consume beautiful black stuff all month long, like not just now, but yes, jazz, blues, gospel music, read some Toni Morrison and some Alice Walker, uh, read some James Baldwin, like get yourself immersed in all things black and never forget that Black history is your history as well. Okay, take a breath and be ready to sing our opening hymn. Welcome once again. All right, friends, welcome. Happy Sunday. Um, just a tiny little housekeeping thing. Um, EET is having is holding space downstairs, so if you need to use the restroom, please use the ones upstairs. Um, it is February, finally. It's not like January is three months long on its own. <laughs> is that just me? <laughs> um, but as we do on the first Sunday of the month, if your birthday is in February, you please stand online. We would love for you to just shout out in the chat so we know. We got birthday, February birthdays in the house. We got one right here. Happy birthday, those online. <laughs> Let's sing a little happy birthday for them, shall we? Because February is your birthday, would you please now stand as you're able for the opening hymn? He brought me this far 
he brought me this far. God brought me this far. He brought me this far. I know he's going to bring me all the way. I believe that he will. No, he's going to bring me
You may be seated. In this Black History Month, when I think about my recent history, I think about my mom, Emily Lewis, who was a prayer warrior. She was the kind of woman who would not leave her room until she got out of the bed, got on her knees and said prayers for all of us, all the kids and her relatives and her mom, uh, my dad, uh, the world, uh, people who were hungry, who were tired. She was convinced that God was everywhere all the time making a way out of no way, healing, touching, changing. And she said, come by here, God, come on by. And I want to thank you for my many blessings. And she thanked God, named those blessings and asked for God to intercede. When my sister and I were little, mom would take turns at each of our twin beds, Wanda's, then mine, teaching us to pray. Now he laid me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That was a scary prayer, but she'd add to it. She'd say, who do we want to bless? Jack and Wanda. And we'd pray for our grandmothers and all the things. So today, our prayer, my prayer for you, is to know that you too are a prayer warrior, that you don't have to be in a fancy place to pray, you don't have to get on your knees by your bed to pray. You can pray walking down the street. You can pray on the subway. You can pray on your yoga mat. You can pray in your prayer closet. You can pray while walking in the park. You can pray when breaking bread, even at a restaurant. Prayer does change things. The most important thing it changes is us because it reminds us that there is no place we go, nothing we do, that God does not know it, care about it, and love us through it. Today, I'm so blessed that my sister, Wanda Lewis, is going to sing for us the Lord's Prayer now, accompanied by Dion McLean Freeney, and that is the prayer we will pray together. Let us pray. Amen.
Now, friends and siblings, this is the time to pass the peace, the peace that passes all understanding safely, lovingly, mindfully, the peace of God be with you.
just me and you I feel so lost Cause I don't know what to do But what if I choose The wrong thing to do I'm so afraid Afraid of disappointing you So I need to talk to you and ask you for your guidance especially today when my world seems so cloudy guide me until I'm sure I open up my Yes, I do. My hopes and dreams are fading fast. I'm all burned out, and I don't think my strength's gonna last. So I'm crying out. I'm crying out to you, Lord. I know you're the only one who is able to pull So I need to talk to you. Yes, I do. And ask you for your guidance.
You sure there isn't another verse? <laughs> Sorry to see you sit down. Mm. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Mm. Amen. I used to think of that as Yolanda Adams' song. I just retired. Y'all going to get me coming back to church. <laughs> I have to thank Jackie for this invitation. How do I wave to Jackie? Where do I? Hi. Jackie, John, hello. Jackie said, welcome home. And that's, I feel like I'm at home. This is warm and intimate. And it's good to be with you all uh, this morning. I had to do a double take. I wanted to say hello, Isaac, to this man right here. He looks just like my brother. I mean, just like my brother, without the glasses. Yeah, thank you. He had his birthday January 30th. So was it, that wasn't your birthday, was it? Amen. You understand. That's why you're here at Middle Church, right? Amen. Well, I should stop fooling around here and get more serious and read the scripture from the 17th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. That's my brother John right there. <laughs> we go back. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Middle and Riverside got together after Katrina. That's when I met John. Amen. Luke 17, verses 5 through 10. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your slave who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, come here at once and take your place at the table? Would you not rather say to him, prepare supper for me? Put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink. Later you may eat and drink. Do you thank the slave? for doing what was commanded. So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, we are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. We thank you for home, God. We thank you for today. We thank you for each other. We thank you for opening our hearts, as Wayne sang. We thank you for your spirit alive among us here 
and now. We thank you for your word. May we be transformed by it. Amen. Slave, one little word, one huge omission. It depends on where you stand. For centuries, this little passage in Luke has been interpreted and preached about from the perspective of faith, the little mustard seed. This text is about increasing faith. The lesson is we have to use the faith we already have. The disciples have it wrong as usual. They're asking for more faith, for Jesus to increase their faith. Dear Jesus, if we only had more, 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 we could do what you do. We could heal. We could face Herod, Caesar, even. The titles of most of the articles and commentaries going back centuries are things like this. Doing faith until you have it. Everyday faith. Use it or lose it. That's hip. That's a 60s <laughs> title. You can just tell, right? <laughs> but we could go back further. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon in 1855 wrote a sermon called The Necessity of Increased Faith. He wrote, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. They went to the right person. They did not say to themselves, I will increase my faith. They did not cry to the minister, preach a comforting sermon and increase my faith. They did not say, I will read such and such a book. No, they said to the Lord, increase our faith. Go to your master. And say, increase our faith. And on and on and on. Now, this is all good. Generations of would-be Christians taught to focus on faith. How to increase faith. Or to trust that we already have enough faith. We sang this morning. We've come this far by faith. We just have to use what we have. Or believe that even a tiny bit of faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. I've preached my fair share of sermons over the years on this text in that vein. But I read this so familiar, this friendly text this time and my stomach crawled. I feel nausea. I want to throw up on the page because of that one little word, slave, and the way we slide over it. Decades, centuries. Now, now the way it rolls so easily off the tongue of the speaker and lands with no discernible impact on the listener, did you give it any second thought at all, really? Because the passage is about increasing faith. Such a worthy thing to do. Now, I had a little trouble with the title. I hope it was jarring to you. 
produced a little anxiety, maybe, thanking your slave. Here's the conventional take. The idea is nonsensical, isn't it? Illogical. It's in the text. Why bother thanking your slave? Luke writes it. Jesus says it. Do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? We are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. Do you hear the exclamation point in the text? But times change and context evolves. And we must take care to hear these sacred texts in these times. I can't glide by the slave in the narrative. We are worthless slaves without acknowledging that slavery isn't being rejected here. It's being normalized. It is ordinary acceptable. You wouldn't invite your slave to dinner with you in the big house after picking cotton, would you? You wouldn't invite the homeless person you served at the shelter home for pizza and beer and popcorn and football in your family room. The Super Bowl is coming. Would you? You might send money to help defend immigrant families separated from one another and detained in subhuman conditions, but you wouldn't visit them or try to take them home with you, would you? It's worse than illogical. The underlying assumption is oppressive and repulsive indicative of our continuing failure, slave, to deal with race in our church, in our culture, in our society, in our world. I want to preach faith. I must. We must have faith. We must increase faith, use faith, share faith, and, and we can't ignore or normalize injustice while shimmering with faith. The glow will fade in dim light cast by a pastel faith. So my wife Nancy and I were in Sonoma, California, the wine country some time ago for a wonderful wedding in the family of dear, lifelong friends. And we spent a night after the wedding in the home of some former next-door neighbors from Princeton, New Jersey, now living in Larkspur, California. They have a redwood tree in their backyard. A redwood tree one of those magnificent, rich in hue, tall and straight wonders of the natural world. A forest of redwoods is more than equivalent to the skyline of this great city. A sight to behold, 
a redwood tree in the backyard. You can lean against it while standing on the back porch. It begins to split about 50 feet up and becomes twins for most of its enormous towering height. It dwarfs the house and the garage. It cannot be ignored even if you wanted to. You could take it for granted. Just think of it as a natural part of the landscape, a lovely perk in the purchase. I can hear the listing. Beautiful three-bedroom, two-bath home on a creek. A lovely garden nestled in the mountains of larkspur, redwood, in the backyard. But here's the thing. In a hundred years, maybe less, that tree is going to uproot that house. You hear me? It isn't just there, benign. It has roots in the history of the land. There is no inclination to overlook it. It's magnificent still. It's just a feature of the landscape. Slavery is in our backyard. Rooted in our history uprooting and threatening our future. Genocide is in our history, the horrific abuse of Chinese immigrants in the building of the West and the connecting of this nation from East to West is in our backyard. The shameful ongoing treatment of neighbors from the south along the border is in our backyard. Our shame is the litany of injustices that we take for granted, like the redwood in the backyard that's beautiful today. The litany of injustices that hide within the word slave in the text that will yet uproot our present and threaten our future. We sanitize slavery. We normalize slavery. And so we get black men and women and children shot down in the streets and we do nothing. We get the tragedies of Half Moon Bay and Monterey, Pulse Night, in Orlando. We get Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and now Tyree Nichols killed by African-American police officers, their dark skin reflecting their blue hearts. All of it derived from the pages of our history, torn from the book of our truth the fugitive slave laws that gave birth to policing are staring us in the face as those scorpions dragged Tyree out of his car. He was just trying to get home. 
Aren't we all? This is the first Sunday in Black History Month. And it's so clear that the lessons of black history, which is the history of the United States, have been ignored. Trump's America has paid no attention, couldn't care less. And these days, led by people like Ron, Trump-like DeSantis, who wants to be our next president, the effort is to ban the telling of our history altogether. He led the fight to make, listen to me now, I know you know this, he led the fight to make Black Lives Matter optional in advanced placement curriculum for African-American studies. I can't count the ways that is so wrong and so exactly where we are at this moment in our history. What's in the backyard of the world? uprooting our collective history, normalized slavery, white, especially male privilege, colonialism, a savage capitalism, endless war. And so we have slave wages and poverty and mass incarceration and a rigid caste system and the abuse of our mother earth. You let me leave the page for a minute? I know you will. <laughs> Jackie's never on the page. lead the page here and just end with this. I helped my son move to Atlanta a week ago. I got the bruised ribs <laughs> to prove it. And I learned then, and I beg you to read in the opinion section of the New York Times today an article about Richard Powers, who wrote that wonderful book. Uh, oh, I forget the name of it now. Overworld, Underworld, about the trees. Say the name. Overstory, thank you. The article is about the South River Forest in Atlanta, it's bordering Atlanta. It borders an underprivileged African-American community. Do you know about this? 
City Council voted to create a $90 million, 85-acre Atlanta Center for Training Police and Fire. Fire. What do you call them now? Fire people. Firefighters. Thank you. <laughs> See, if you don't write it down, you don't have Jackie's memory. So there's a lot more to this, right? This land 200 years ago was stolen from the Muscogee native population. And this land used to house the old prison farm. Countless abuses of the black and brown and poor white prisoners there. And this forest is a preserve that protects Atlanta, that helps cool it in the hot summer and helps to purify the air. And two weeks ago, those who gathered from all over the country, not just the Atlanta era, environmentalists, Latinx, folks, African-Americans, young whites, those who gathered to protect this sacred forest were overrun and violence erupted and a police officer was wounded and a Latinx man, 26 years old, was killed. When you normalize slavery, genocide, when you normalize these injustices, you get this today. All of it comes together here, the environmental movement, the sanctity of black and brown lives, the future of our planet. All of it is implicated in a story like this, which can be repeated, I do not doubt, all around our country. These sacred texts, we have to unpack them. We have to interrogate them for the deeper truths that are there for us. So that, yes, we've come this far by faith, but not far enough, so much further for us to go. And we can only do it in communities like this one, with faces that cover the whole spectrum of color and age. And faith is wonderful that we're in a Jewish synagogue as you worship in this period before your fierce love resurrects Middle Collegiate Church, the building. Middle Collegiate Church, the people, is still alive and giving life to the city and the world. Let's work together, Middle. Not to normalize what is oppressive and unjust, 
but to build together a world that will be hospitable for all God's children today and tomorrow. Amen. We come, family, to this table, welcoming all. We invite you into our ritual of communion, and we ask, O oh God, that you bless us in this communion. Put this up. We are gathered as a community of revolutionaries called to love the world into healing. We are called no matter who we are, no matter what we do for a living, how we look, or who we love, to partner with God, the prophets, and the Christ to usher in the reign of God on earth. When we eat this bread, fruit of the earth, shaped by human hands, we remembered that there was a body broken for our liberation and that we are the living body called to free the captives. When we share this cup, fruit of the vine, created by human hands, we remember there is an overflowing cup filled with blessing and love. We drink remembering the one who is living waters. We eat and we drink knowing we are blessed to have our bellies filled and our thirst quenched. We eat and drink anticipating that there will be a day when all sit together, sing, pray together, feast, mourn, and dance together. A day in which all lives are cherished and everyone has enough. The bread of life for you. The cup of blessing for you. The peace of God be with you today and always. One of our online members who lives in Denver is retired clergy. His name is Paul Carlson. Hi, Paul, if you're on, and Nancy. Um, he wrote some beautiful liturgy and shared it with me. To close our communion, I'll share some of it with you. Will you pray with me? Life-giving God, you have nourished us with the bread of life and the wine of love. Strengthen us through this meal of generosity, of generous grace, 
and keep us in unity with all those things that give life, encourage reconciliation, and bring healing and justice to the world. In your name, through whom and for whom all things are made. Amen. Amen. Uh, as the ushers are coming for offering uh, greetings, Middle Church, and happy Black History Month. Yes, yes. Uh, my name is Ivan Anderson, and my pronouns are he, him, his. As some of you know, I am a member of the Middle Church Consistory, the Dries Johnson Gospel Choir, and Queer Black Men. But what some of you may not know is that I am also a member of the Beyonce Fan Club, also known as the Beehive. <laughs> and so in the spirit of Black History Month, the spirit of celebrating black women, and frankly, because this entire week has been me trying to figure out how I'm getting tickets to this concert series, <laughs> we're gonna have a special join the movement today. And spoiler alert, if you don't like Beyonce, Sorry, because this is going to be uh, <laughs> one that's particularly dedicated to her. These references are going to be all up in your ears and all up in your mind. So why do I worship here? Why am I here in this community at Middle Collegiate Church? Well, first of all, it's a place where I feel cozy. I feel comfortable in my skin. Middle is a place where the church girl sits in the same pew as the alien superstar. It is a place <laughs> where we can be vulnerable where we can take the plastic off the sofa and talk about the hard things. We aren't afraid to talk about the fact that America has a problem. Racism, sexism, classism, homophobia, transphobia, xenophobia. I'm tired of all the isms, all the phobias. You gotta list so many of them. Uh, and every other ism and phobia you can think of. <laughs> and we certainly aren't afraid to turn our words into action in our revolutionary love conference, in our protests, in our butterfly ministry, in our daily lives. In our country and in the world, our political discourse is so divisive and heated, and at times I feel like it will break my soul. Yet middle gives me the energy to keep on going, to keep on fighting, to keep on living into my purpose. Like a spoonful of pure honey stirred into a piping hot cup of lemon ginger tea, it comforts and reinvigorates my spirit and gets me back into my Virgo's groove to do the work God has called me and all of us to do. As Jackie preached last week in Micah 6.8, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. Middle is a reminder that a better world is possible, that our long winter of bigotry and injustice in America can become a summer renaissance of love, equity, and equality. If we can dream it, if we can believe it, and if we can be it, because after all, we're the ones we've been waiting for. So if you heard this message and thought, I'm that child of God, I'm that baby, I'm that guy, I'm that girl who needs to join the movement, then now is your time. If you've been dating middle, come on and cuff it, baby. Put a ring on it. <laughs> Be committed to the cause. Go to middlechurch.org slash join to become a member and please sign up for new member classes so we can get to know you better. This community needs your time, your talent, and your treasure. Join a group, share your skills and gifts, and please donate. 
To me personally, this is not a multiple choice or an either or. It's a both and. I serve and I give. I don't want to lay it on too thick, but we have a multi-million dollar campaign to rebuild our sanctuary and fund our programming. And we need your financial support to make that happen. You can do so by going to middlechurch.org donate, uh, or you can scan the QR code online uh, for those of you who are joining online. In closing, baby, it's you. You're the one God wants. You're the one God needs. You are God's wildest dream. Come on, baby, it's you. You don't have to give your all. We love your gifts, great and small. So when the offering bags, let a little something drop so we can keep the love on top. Amen and thank you, middle.
dear God, increase our faith. Let these gifts be an expression of being and doing and going out with fierce love into our community, into our beloved community, to do more and to be more. Amen and amen. Friends, remain standing for our closing hymn. God bless you. We gotta carry this out. Don't let me down. You've had some great singing up here.
Well, amen, Lee. <laughs> Lee. <laughs> praise God, praise God. Um, we have come to that time, y'all. We have sung and we have supped together. Um, sounds like that pastel faith ain't gonna work. The roots are too deep for that. And so may you go into this world shining a bright light of yeah. faith. Yeah. That's the only thing that'll get it. Mm. Lest it uproot us first. Amen. And so we send you now into this world, taking the love of God with you. Go in peace. Amen. Amen. Amen.